Welcome to Fintech in the Cloud with AWS, your direct line to the founders, investors, and startups who are shaping the ever-evolving world of fintech. I'm your host, Sakai Indamanga. Joining us today is Kareem Atia, CTO and co-founder at Ramp. Corporate spend has been a thriving vertical in fintech recently. Ramp happens to be one of the fastest growing startups in this space. Ramp launched about three years ago in 2019, and now it's driving 100 million in annual revenue. On this episode, we talk about how Ramp initially started as a corporate card and evolved into a finance automation platform covering expense management, bill pay, accounting, negotiation as a service, and more. We also talk about some of the challenges in corporate spend and how Ramp is addressing them today. Enjoy. Kareem, welcome and thank you for joining. Thank you for having me, Seiko. We like to start off with understanding your background and your journey to fintech. Tell us a bit about your journey to fintech as well as your current role. I started, I guess when I was 17, moved to the US to study computer science and electrical engineering and very quickly moved into financial services on the consulting side. And that was right after the financial crisis of 2008. So I was helping banks and financial services institutions deal with risk reduction, the regulatory frameworks that were getting set up. And as part of my role, even as a consultant, I actually found myself writing a fair bit of code. And after two years of doing that, I decided to move to the startup side of things and essentially write code and build things full-time to help consumers save money on their online purchases. My first company was called Paribus. We were tracking purchases that consumers were making online and helping them save money by looking for opportunities to apply coupons retroactively or telling them about price drops and, and acting on them to help them get a refund. That was a very fun journey. We ended up getting acquired by Capital One two and a half or so years later. And as a result of that acquisition, ended up learning a ton about the card business, how it works, why it hadn't evolved in so long, why Capital One was so successful, and a lot more about risk and marketing and dealing with consumers. And at the same time, what was happening is a lot of our employees from Paribus, friends that we had met going through the YC startup accelerator, were growing their own companies or joining early stage companies. And we started seeing that a lot of them were feeling the same pains that we were when we were running our company, where they were spending lots of money and didn't know whether it was useful or not, or they were trying to buy SaaS products and it was unclear what it was supposed to cost. And before they knew it, they were spending left and right without a good understanding of whether their money was well spent. There was positive ROI, which is why we ended up leaving Capital One to start the company that I'm currently the founder and CTO of, Ramp. And this is what brings us to my role today, which is the CTO of Ramp. Nice story. Thanks for giving us that background. You mentioned you decided to write code or learn how to write code in the midst of being in a financial institution where you were a consultant, was that something that was a side hustle or that was something that was required for your existing gig? It was certainly not required. I think I was the only person at that firm that was writing code. It just felt like a lot of the way consulting was done was still very old school in some ways, where it's a lot of like manual time spent and billing clients for projects based on the time it was taking, as opposed to the actual results. 
And I know that's changing today and more and more consulting firms are actually either hiring software engineers internally or working with software shops to supplement their capabilities and abilities and building tools for them. But it, it wasn't the case at the time. So it was more out of passion. And I don't know, sometimes I think maybe out of laziness because it just felt to me like it was a lot easier and like almost like a shortcut to be able to write code to do the thing that other people in some cases are taking two or three weeks to do manually and don't necessarily enjoy it. Now let's talk about Ramp. So you're a CTO and co-founder of Ramp. And one of the key value propositions for Ramp is really around spend management or corporate spend management. Can you talk about some of the challenges with corporate spend management? It's not an easy segment, even in the traditional FSI space. Are you able to highlight some of the challenges today in spend management in general? As companies grow, they struggle to strike the right balance between enabling employees to spend on their own because it's positive ROI, it's needed for their jobs, they need to buy tools, and at the same time, ensuring that the money is well spent. And a lot of older institutions have decided to completely centralize the decision-making and in some cases, only approve or deny transactions retroactively by asking their employees to use their personal cards or accounts and then request a reimbursement with approvals. That creates a lot of friction. There's a lack of control over the employee spending, poor compliance, risk of fraud, and disjointed tools. So you get to a point where not only are the companies spending more than they think, they're also moving slow and they don't know what they're spending on. So like the finance teams struggle to close their books. They struggle to make decisions based on real-time data and nobody's happy. And employees don't have a great user experience and the finance teams have very poor visibility. Interesting. And how would you say Ramp is addressing some of these challenges? That's a great question. So we started off with the incentives. Most solutions today that companies are using to manage their spend tend to be like point solutions that don't integrate well together. So you have corporate cards that are separate from sort of expense tracking and reimbursement systems, which are also separate from the accounting and ERP tools, and in some cases, separate from the PO and procurement process as well. And as a result of these disjoint tools, you're not able as a finance leader to make the right decisions, get the right visibility. And as a consumer, you're dealing with like clunky tools that don't fit your work style or where the interface is very different from the tools and apps that you're using on a daily basis. And on top of that, the primary product here, the corporate card, has an incentive to essentially get you to spend more because most of these corporate card providers make more revenue when companies spend more. They don't really have great software engineering or product teams focused on their end customer. As a result, yeah, everyone's unhappy. And when we started Ramp, we started with the incentive. We started with a card program. And the first focus was like, how can we build a corporate card that is completely aligned with our end customer? We talked to hundreds of customers and realized that most of them don't care about points and rewards and don't actually want to be incentivized to spend more. What they care about is how much money is in their bank account and whether they're able to weather the next recession or make sure that they're growing as efficiently as possible. So we built our initial product with that in mind, with the goal of helping companies save more, spend less. And that took off. And from there, 
We kept building on top of that initial value proposition to help growing companies manage all sorts of spends, not just the corporate card spend, but also bill payments, reimbursements, procurement processes, up to the integration with their accounting providers and facilitating all of that. It's interesting to see that Ram started off as a corporate card, and it's now obviously a finance and automation platform. When you see the ramp value prop, the first thing that comes to mind is a credit card company. Would you consider yourselves a credit card company? There's two ways that I look at it. One is, well, our first 10 employees were, I think it was nine software engineers and one head of talent. And from there, we've certainly grown a lot and there are multitudes of, of role that we're recruiting for at Ramp. But I think it's very clear internally that this is a like product and engineering-led companies. We think through the problems of our customers and we solve them through product and engineering innovation. As opposed to, I think, most card companies today that essentially gravitate around marketing and a risk department more than anything else. If you're in growth mode, you're spending enormous marketing budgets, you're hiring celebrities, getting them to go on TV and they're telling your consumers or customers about the points and rewards and how cool it is to be spending more money to earn points. And on the other side of it, you have a risk department that's extremely proficient and has tons of data that is tweaking APRs or tweaking underwriting criteria and very little product and engineering innovation in between. It's hard to change that. It's hard to change pace and culture and philosophy. It's a lot easier, I think, for us to do it as a new company and have a completely new approach to solving that problem. Yeah, I think product and engineering is oxygen for successful companies within payments. So it's great to see that you lead with product and engineering. I'd like to understand your product strategy. When does one decide to evolve from building a best-of-breed product versus a multi-product platform? Mm I think it helps to think through the lens of one, our mission, and two, our primary customer. The way we think about it is our primary mission is essentially to help companies save time and save money, and as a result, grow faster and be more efficient. And our primary customer tends to be the leader of the finance team. So for smaller companies, that's generally the founder. For medium-sized companies, they tend to have a generalist head of finance. And for larger companies, it can be the controller or the head of TNE, or in some cases, even the CFO. And when you think about our mission and our customer, then you're like, okay, if it helps achieve our mission and it's a pain point for our customer, we will build it. And that is a lot broader than thinking of ourselves as like, okay, we're just building an expense management solution, or we're just building an accounting service. And when you think about the roles of these finance teams, it is growing. It has grown in complexity. It used to be that all decisions were centralized to them. And now you have tools that lots of companies use that come essentially bottoms up. Like you'll have a couple engineers or a couple designers decide they want to use Figma, for example. And before you know it, the whole company wants to use Figma or a different part of the company wants to use a different tool. And you need to keep track of all these things. And We are building tools to help understand to which vendors your money's going to, like what's recurring, what's non-recurring, how to budget for the next month and think about upcoming expenses, when to potentially renegotiate some of the deals that you're on because you're not using half the seats that you paid for. And that's the lens through which we think. What does our customer need and does it fit within our mission of helping the company save time and money? 
Corporate spend management has been pretty hot in the last, I would say, couple of months, depending on what media outlets you're reading. I'm curious to get your perspective on some of the innovative trends that you're witnessing in spend management in general. Are they impacting other areas of fintechs and vice versa? I'm curious to get your perspective on that. I think generally like consumer tech is the one leading on some of those trends. B2B tends to follow. And I think that's very much the case with essentially B2B fintech now as well. Like when you truly think about it, there are some amazing consumer companies that came out in the past couple of years that have totally changed the experience of how you manage your money, how you budget, how you trade stocks, how you trade cryptocurrencies, even from Robinhood with, I believe, one of the most intuitive interfaces on how to understand stocks and stock trading to the likes of Coinbase, even mint.com in the early days was pretty revolutionary. And at the same time, a lot of the consumers that were using these apps in their private lives were still using clunky, slow, terrible interfaces for their work to submit expense reports or manage their money. So I think on the UX and UI side of things, it feels to me that we're more following the footsteps of consumer fintech more than anything. I think as a result of those trends, the importance of sort of like the end user experience and the consumer experience within the enterprise has increased. It used to be that finance leaders made decisions on what tools to use based solely on essentially how we impacted them. And now we're seeing more and more finance leaders think about and care about the end user and consumer experience as one of their core decision factors on which products to choose. They're hearing from their employees, the frustrations about the existing toolkit, and they realize it's important to help everyone at the company like be as productive as possible and save time on some of these things. I guess to summarize it, I think it's a lot of UX innovation, but we have consumer fintech to think for it. I think consumer behavior and consumer innovation is really driving a lot of financial services and and fintech in general. So I think that's a great, great point in terms of kind of where we're seeing some of the trends that are really being dictated by consumers and starting from there. Ramp launched three years ago, a year before COVID. I feel like we need to take a moment of silence just to to even mention that it started a year before COVID. (laughs) And now it's driving a hundred million in annual revenue, which is amazing. And you're doing really, really well what can fintechs learn from Ramp on generating and maintaining high growth? Going back to one of the points I was mentioning earlier, I think there's nothing as powerful as perfectly aligning your bottom line and incentives with the ones of your customers. Of course, you have to do that and make sure that there's still a sound business model. In our case, I would say that we haven't necessarily innovated on the business model. It was really about the alignment with our end customer. Like our business model remains one that has existed for a long time. Most of our revenue comes from interchange. We're just putting those interchange dollars at the service of our customers, as opposed to say, spending it on on marketing or inefficient operations. So that was number one. Number two, I'd say speed is certainly still underrated. Lots of companies and startups tend to, in some cases, overthink maybe their planning and their strategy and their prioritization. And they're taking like weeks to make decisions on what to do and where to move. Where in reality, I think, especially at the early stages, speed of iteration is everything. 
the number of attempts you get, the number of shots on goal that you get to take is a much higher predictor of success than anything else, particularly when you're small because the cost of failure is so low. So what if you launch a product and it doesn't work? Just launch another one. That's okay. No one cares. No one's going to even find out about it. And then the third one is somewhat similar on people and talent. You have an ability as a startup to hire excellent people for their slope and for how quickly you believe they can grow. And if you're able to do that well, it just saves your company so much time and gives it so much energy because in the case of, I mean, every startup founder is planning for success, right? So in, in the case of a successful outcome, like these people are able to adapt to the chaos, grow with you, reinvent themselves, reinvent their roles. And they tend to not be sort of like entrenched into maybe one way of doing things or a very narrow scope or specialty. So hiring generalists with high slope early on has certainly been a big win for us. Yeah, that's really cool. Thanks for that answer. Part of this podcast is called FinTech in the Cloud, and that's the title of the podcast. And so curious to know, what role did AWS play in your development? And at what point was cloud identified as you were growing within your journey? Yeah, definitely. I checked the numbers before coming in to meet you today. And we are using, as of today, more than 42 different AWS services. And I'm mind blown by the number of tools and services that AWS has been shipping over the year. And the honest answer there is I don't know how else we would do it. And that's also like the environment that I grew up in. My first company was also on AWS and that was in, so we started in around 2014. And over time, I think AWS has grown so much that a lot of the pain points we were having with our first companies and things that were either impossible to do or very hard to do are extremely easy to do today. So where we have cross-region resiliency very easily, thanks to AWS, we leverage and everything from like S3 to ECR to Secrets Manager to Aurora. And those are all solutions that if we wanted to build on our own would have taken us a lot of time and energy and we probably could not have move at the pace that we're moving today as a result. So 100% of our infrastructure is in the cloud. And there was never a question about whether we would consider not being in the cloud or having our infrastructure there. Kareem, we talked about how Ramp has evolved from a credit card to an automation platform. What gets you most excited about the future of Ramp as you evolve and add these different value-added services to your platform? Well, as, as we're growing up, we're supporting more and more extremely complex companies from companies planting potatoes to companies launching rockets into space, and they have very different needs. So the old school way of thinking about solving these problems is through services and manually with people, but we're really thinking through how we could build the right platform for our customers to be able to innovate on top of. So a lot of the needs of the larger companies revolve around supporting multiple entities and employees in different countries. And some companies have a very specific need related to managing properties or dealing with a very specific tax law that affects them. And as product people and engineers, first and foremost, 
we're thinking through the common patterns and commonalities amongst these companies so that we can best support them no matter how specific their use case is. And that's certainly challenging, but also a lot of fun because these are problems that really no one has solved very well before. It's very hard to support a wide swath of business models and companies at different phases of their life, but it's also a lot of fun for our, our teams internally. Kareem? We have reached the end of our conversation. Thank you so much for joining. Where can people find you? Thank you, Sakai. So I'm uh, Kareem Ati on Twitter, and I'm trying to be a little bit more active on Twitter. So that's probably the best place. Otherwise, uh, you could certainly shoot me an email at kareem at ramp.com. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sakai. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to the show. And while you're there, please feel free to leave a review and rating. To learn more about how AWS supports startups, please visit aws.amazon.com slash startups.